What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Truth Podcast. My name is Alec. And my name is Sean. And we are passionate about inspiring others after the truth. Yes, we are. We have some apologizing to do, don't we? It's been three weeks. It's got to be like three or four weeks since I, we've released a podcast. I want to take all the blame for this. That's personally. good because I'm not taking any of it. <laughs> so let's, uh, where do, I don't even know where to start. So I had an injury. You had it was. <laughs> I've been at home on my back, just eating, relaxing, playing video games, you know, all that stuff, getting mm-hmm. very fat. So that's been tough. But, but why? But so your boy, you have a good reason. Your boy sprained his ankle, which seems like a not a bad thing. Like you sprained your ankle, sprained my ankle really, really bad playing yes, basketball. So it was rough. It was nasty. It looked like an amputated foot. <laughs> It looked like death. <laughs> all the way, at a certain point, even my toes were black and blue all the way down. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy. It looked so. like a movie. It was gross. It looked like a prop on a movie. It looked like a zombie, like, you know, some some walking dead-like type yeah. of foot. So, so this so. is how this works, right? So we're trying to release every other week, and then you go and do that, and then you go and move. Yes. You move houses. So that's a whole another ordeal. And then you're on vacation for I a was week. At, you were out of town in Chicago for a little bit. I was, I out, was of out of town also. in South Carolina for a little bit. World travelers. Actually, yep. U.S. travelers. We travel once a year, but it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it just wow. it just didn't work out. But we're here. Um, I hope some some people missed us. But you know, I think so. Content. I think there are a few people out there that missed us. I hope so. I missed us. Just kidding. But um, good. I'm glad that we're finally back. I'm glad that we get to talk about something important. We get to finally finish our Genesis series, which went from two parts to three parts. Now we're in the third part, and uh, I think it's a good time to to finish it off with some op- awesome stuff. What what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so we were excited. I feel like for us, you know, this talking about this, it's been very in depth and very like a lot to chew on, you know, mm-hmm. and it's been really fun for us, but I feel like we're most excited for this one talking about Jesus and Genesis and mm-hmm. just how we see, you know, we see Jesus show up, you know, first in the gospels in a sense, but when you really dig into the Bible, he's all throughout the old Testament and he's yeah. specifically all throughout Genesis um, there personally. And then also in similarities, maybe to other people mm-hmm. book of Genesis too. So I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to see, you know, we may have different, like, you know, oh no, that's not a picture of Jesus. Um, And you may think it is, you know, so I'm excited to get into it and see maybe where we differ on that. Yeah, me too. I I feel like, you know, have you ever heard one of those Christians say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. I only read the New Testament. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is when we like, when you do actually do a study in, in any of the Old Testament books and you really find Jesus in it, um, this just brings to life the Old Testament for the um, new covenant believer. You know, yeah. I love reading the Old Testament. Like I usually just, when I'm reading the Bible on a daily basis, I just usually start in Genesis and then read all the way through Revelation yeah. on every day. But you know what I mean? Like all, over an extended period of time and like... He reads the whole Bible. Yeah, in a day. day. So. <laughs> and I just like, I kind of just do that cycle. Yeah. That way I don't have to think about what to read next just personally works for me. I'm not saying that works for everybody. It is a pressure sometimes. Like, oh, what do I read next? Like, exactly. Do I read a small book a little exactly. bit? Exactly. But what ends up happening is you spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the it's majority a lot of the Bible. Larger. Like, it's yeah. a lot larger. The chapter or the, the books in the New Testament are smaller, less chapters. 
You come a to lot Psalms, of times more action packed. Yeah. yeah. You come to Psalms and you got, you know, 150 plus. Yeah. And it's just like, it takes a long time to get through, even if they are short. Anyway, I say all that to say, when we can start learning to see Jesus in the books of the Old Testament, it brings the Old Testament to life, shows the reason of why God inspired them, and just benefits the believer to to know more about Jesus uh, and God's work through the covenants of the Old Testament, like we talked about the first episode, yeah. and then also... Where's Jesus in Genesis? I think it's really important to talk yeah, about. It shows you the whole story. You know, I think a lot of times it is 66 books, uh-huh. you know, throughout the Bible, but it is a one story. And that goes from all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament to Revelation. And I think a lot of Christians miss that sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I think we both love, I, I'm i team Old Testament, like for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think the Old Testament is just fun and there's so much like hidden knowledge and stuff. And you find that most like, more than anywhere in Genesis. So I'm excited to get into it. So in your opinion, where is the first place in the Bible that, that Jesus is, let's say alluded to? Yeah. So I would say I'm actually, this is kind of cheating. I just went into this whole old Testament thing and I'm going to quote the new Testament to talk about the old Testament. Yeah. Team new Testament. (laughs) But, um, this goes, I believe like the first couple verses, you know, and John talks about it at the very beginning the gospel of John, John 1, 1, it says, and this is John pretty much referencing Genesis 1, 1 and going back to that. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Mm. So just showing in the beginning, we may be thinking like, oh, Jesus doesn't show up till the, you know, He's born by, you know, a virgin birth and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But this shows when the Father and the Holy Spirit were creating the foundations of the earth and everything we know and everything we see that Jesus was there with them. Yep. And this isn't like, oh, he just popped up, you know, thousands and thousands of years later. But he is before, you know, he is the beginning and the end, just like the Father is. Yeah, I think also like Colossians, I think. Again, so we need to stop quoting the New Testament, but... <laughs> Colossians, I think it talks about, um, you know, how all things were made by him and for him and through him, talking about Jesus. So Jesus is like the creator in that sense, you know, like it was a joint Trinitarian work to create the world. I was like, I think also, you know, in um, Genesis chapter three, verse 15, uh, we see like the first prophecy of Jesus. And it actually is God speaking himself where he says, and I will put enmity between you. He's speaking to the serpent between you and the woman and, and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I mean, I personally hold to the view, like that's the first time that God speaks of his redemptive plan. And we got to understand when we talk about like the sovereignty of God and the foreknowledge of God, uh, what we're not saying is that God just looked into the future, saw what was going to happen, and then made his plan off of that. Because I think that's a really weak understanding yeah. of the foreknowledge of God. God doesn't make decisions based on other creatures' decisions. He makes his own decisions based on his will, his purposes, and his sovereignty. So we have to understand that God knew, God chose that he would save the world through the death and resurrection of his son before any of this ever took place, right? He already had it purposed 
in his being that this would be the way he would save humanity. Now, there's a lot of conversation we can have about the sovereignty of God, but I think that is beautiful to see that even in the very, very beginning, Jesus is the creator. All things were made through him and by him. He's holding it all together. And then immediately after um, the fall of humans, God is speaking his plan into existence that he had already um, chosen to happen. You know what I mean? Which just makes sense. Like to think, you know, the fall of man happens and then just on the spot, you know, the father's like, you know, I got to whip something up together. I got to come with something. I'll send my son and he's going to like die for this sin, you know? So, and it just shows, I think from, you know, what's, this is chapter three of Genesis verse 15 from one to three, it talks about kind of the creation and the beginning and all this stuff from three all the way till the end of the Bible starts a new kind of period of the redemption, you know, and Jesus coming and we see that, you know, through the pictures of the characters in the Old Testament, what we're going to get into, the parallels, um, all the way to Jesus coming in the New Testament yep. and, you know, redeeming us. And then Revelation when he's going to come and, you know, finish, not finish, you know, it's done what he did on the cross, but kind of claim what was his. In a yeah, sense, you know, I agree. That's interesting that you bring that up because. Or I'm going to reference another New Testament in Romans. <laughs> we'll get to Old Testament at some point. We did Genesis 3. That's We're good. <laughs> How many pastors even quote it? Come on. Come on. <laughs> we're killing it. In Romans um, chapter 6, I believe, it talks about the new Adam, right? Mm, yeah. And this is a picture that, so, so, so God creates Adam. Adam fails to keep the covenant that God had with, with Adam, or at least just... Uh, embrace the limits that God set on him, right? Yeah. Um, and Jesus is called the second Adam, which is really interesting. Like, yeah. why is that? Why is Jesus called the second Adam? I feel like you'll probably have a more um, college, like, professional way to answer this than me, but <laughs> you're like, you're like, you see why, no. Um, he... I think one of the big reasons, and this is one of the things that um, the gospels really like nail down and some of the gospels nail down different points that yeah. God, he like in John one, one, he shows God is fully God and he's always been God, but they also show that God is fully man, you know? And that's one of the things they argued with um, in that the Jesus early church. Jesus is fully man? Yeah. That yeah. Jesus was fully man. And he had to be fully man because he was a second Adam as a man to be able to like do what Adam did wrong and yeah. you know, make up for what Adam Agreed, did and yeah. thus being the second Adam. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love how it says like uh, through one man sin enter the world, but through mm. one, uh, the God man, right through one man. Um, I, I believe it's like justification comes by the, you know, to those or something like and that's not quoting it it's perfectly, just, but it's the perfect man, you know, yeah. he, he lived, you know, the life we did. He dealt with all the emotions, all the yeah. pains, you know, um, presumably had like a rough childhood when you look at the early, you know, dad script. died pretty early, right? And people, Joseph. you know, making fun of him, like, yeah. you know, all this stuff, like believing, you know, he was like son of a harlot, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but went through all this and never sinned, you know, showed the perfect way sinless. And that's what we needed. Someone who was us, you know, not some other creature or other thing, or just a God, but someone who was us, who would die in our place, who was perfect and blameless, you know. It is fascinating, like, now we're moving into Exodus, but it is fascinating, like, all the things that Jesus did um, in his time here on earth. 
a lot of them you see like the parallels to the failures of Adam and the failures of the children of Israel. Another example. So, so the first example is doing what Adam didn't do, living that or what he failed to do. And Jesus did it by living a sinless life. Another one is the 40 uh, years in the wilderness. Jesus spends 40 days and nights in the wilderness, almost like completing what Israel couldn't, right? Like saying no to temptation, saying no to uh, the things of the enemy and the adversary and clinging to the, to the words of God, Israel failed to do that. You know, while they were in the wilderness, they failed to cling to the words of God, right? That immediate giving of the, the, um, the 10 commandments, they left that for idols and um, sexual immorality and all of that. Multiple times they spent years because of that in the wilderness. Jesus comes along and fulfills that. I just think it's so fascinating, like how Jesus fulfilled certain things that earlier in the Old Testament, the people weren't able to do. And it's probably a lot more, but I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's one of the things, and I think that's why the Old Testament is so fun. There's so many parallels. There's so many like things to compared to that no matter how much you read and it goes for the whole bible but i think since the old testament is kind of neglected um in the church as a whole that we don't know this stuff as much you know and there's so many parallels and nuggets to find in there and i think that's why it's so exciting to read the old testament and be like oh my gosh this is foreshadowing what jesus does here or this is a comparison to this you know or this festival matches with this you know it's endless and I don't know. It's always such a fun thing to study for sure. Do you think there's any parallels or there's, there's any uh, um, images of Jesus in the story of Noah? I would say hmm, off the top of my head, I would say maybe more of salvation. I think of the, the flood almost, you know, as I don't know. I feel like you have a better. No, 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 it's good. I'm trying, I'm trying to put my thoughts together. Like the flood almost being a picture of, like the baptism that we go through, you okay. know, wow, it's kind of any notes for that. That's something I studied in college. Okay. For sure. <laughs> what do you, do you have anything on that? No, I think I was, I was agreeing with where you're going. I think like, I mean, I would say that, that, um, the ark is a picture of Jesus in that sense, right? It, like one door, one. Yeah. Yeah. Carrying us to safety you know, like he is our ark. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the floods of, and this is just, you know, off the top, but I was thinking the, the floods, you know, are like sin and destruction and um, the wrath of God, right? Like poured out on those who it's deemed who are worthy of it, which we are all worthy of that, of that, that justice of God. Yet Jesus is the ark that carries us, even though like we may not deserve it, right? Like yeah. he finds us worthy, not because of what we do, but because of what he did for us through faith. And and that's what, that's why Noah's in the hall of faith, you know? Like there's that picture of like, you know, he had faith in what God said and he did it. Same for us. We have faith in what God said and we followed him, you know? So I feel like Jesus is our ark. He is the one carrying us um, to the promised land in that, in, that, in that sense. For sure. There's definitely a lot of parallels. I think more the... I was thinking of when they crossed the Red Sea, kind of like the picture mm. of them coming to the promised land before that passing through the waters and all that stuff. So, That's good. Yeah. The waters of the flood is nasty water. Sin water. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about, yeah. so get into the first person. I kind of have it in order by the scriptures. You're probably going to have some different than me, but um, Melchizedek and the mm. parallels between Jesus and Melchizedek. Some mm. people see the parallel. Some people believe Melchizedek was Jesus. Some don't. Um, 
So what are your thoughts on Melchizedek and maybe the most strangest, most mysterious person in the Bible yeah. in a sense, you know, there's not super clear answers on him, even, yeah. you know, in the Jewish faith, the Christian faith, Catholic faith, there's always questions about this guy. Yep. Fascinating person. Fascinating. Like half of a chapter too. like the story goes something. If you don't know, if you're not familiar, Abraham has this like, like war, if I'm not mistaken, you know, he goes out to battle, he fights, um, and then like he comes across, this is a shortened version. He comes across this, um, this city, which ends up being Jerusalem mm-hmm. later on. This is the exact place where Jerusalem is, which is super cool. And there's this king that approaches him and, uh, he's a king and priest, which, and he served the one true God, Yeah, which already there, like. There's huge Where's this guy coming from? Because as how we did know, he know, Abraham's the only one almost at this point, you know? Yeah, like how did he know God? How can you be a king and a priest? Like, you know, if you really do follow God, there's only one other time that those two things went together. Yeah. And that's Jesus. So there are people that think, oh, Melchizedek was just a really um, interesting person. Oh, at the end of the story, Abraham ends up giving 10% of all he owns, like the first tithe, if you will, to the king, to Melchizedek. Fascinating. Yeah. I am in the camp, so there's kind of a couple camps. Probably one is like he was a um, just a mouthpiece of God, like a servant of God, great king and priest led um, his people, whatever. Yeah. I'm personally on the camp that he was Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus. So like um, this is um, a Christology. Is that what it? Yeah. And I feel no, it's not it's, Christology. It's something else. There's, there's another word. There's a theological term when, um, when we see Jesus, pre-Jesus. It's something Chris. Uh, Christophany, maybe? Christophany. I think yeah, that's it. Yeah, Christophany. Excuse maybe. us if we're wrong, but we're probably yeah. going to use that word a hundred more times. So this Christophany um, <laughs> Is like, I think it is. I think it is Jesus. You know, the parallels. And then you see him in Hebrews. It brought up in Hebrews again. The parallels are just, for me, too convincing for it not to be Jesus. You know, the pre-incarnate Jesus. For sure. And I think this is the first one almost you would see in the Bible too. If you're looking at Christophanes in the Old Testament. I have some parallels. Um, Do you think it's Jesus? I do. I've, I've kind of like, you know, as a rebellious person, I always want to try to take a different route than everybody else. There are Jewish, um, the Jews, like rabbis believe it's Shem, Noah's yeah, um, brother, right. The righteous side that doesn't really fit. Um, and, and then who else is it going to be if it's not Jesus? Some of the parallels that are just hard. There's no Levitical priests right. other than Jesus and this guy. So, you know, that's kind of a thing. Um, the word Melchizedek means um, king of righteousness. Jesus is our king of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Also the parallels, um, Abraham brings him, what is it? Um, bread and wine mm-hmm. with kind of paralleling communion. kind of the last supper, last supper and communion and yeah. all that stuff. And just how Abraham, how Abraham treats him, you know, he treats him as the high priest, you know, in the parallel of Jesus being our high priest so it was almost setting, if Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek, then he was setting up this non-Levitical priesthood that we now follow, that Jesus is our mediator, mediator between God and not some Levitical mm-hmm. priest like it is in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So if he's coming in that order, 
is Jesus coming in the order of some human, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not a human priesthood anymore. It's a godly mm-hmm. priesthood. So it's, it's definitely mysterious, but I think, I think I got to lean with you on this side. I think it's so cool. Like that picture of the King and priest and prophet, you know, like, mm-hmm. So a prophet is the spokesperson for God, right? Um, a priest had to be someone who understood what it meant to be man. It's the person who represents the people to God. Yeah. And then the king is divine, right? Like, or divinely set. Not that, you know, David and Saul were divine, but I just mean like they were picked by God in that sense. Yeah. Saul was picked by the people and that didn't work out too well. But David was picked. The righteous line was picked by, by God, you know? when he told Samuel to go anoint him. And that's just beautiful how we see like Jesus fulfilling all those roles for us, you yeah. know, which is, I just think is super, super cool. Um, let's talk about the angel of the Lord. Okay. Are you talking Abraham angel of the Lord or throughout Genesis? Okay. There's this term that in Exodus, right. And throughout the old Testament, actually, there's this term that keeps popping up. And in the new King James Bible, you'll see it capitalized. Capital angel of the Lord. Yeah. Many people think these things are Christophanies. Again, we really need to look up if that word is right. Um, it's, you guys know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It is tough. I think of the Abraham one, um, correct me if I'm wrong, when the two angels, two angels yes. of the Lord come yeah. to Abraham and Abraham's like, you know, we got to whip up some food, you know, get the cheese out, get the, like, grill the goat, you know, get the bread out, grill all this stuff. <laughs> all this stuff. And there's a high respect, you know? And then I think, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, that's the same time the angel of the Lord tells Sarah that, you know, she's going to have yeah, I think, birth and all that stuff. I think there was three of them, right? There was there was one that was that was different. Two angels go to Lot. Yeah. And they're specifically talked about as like as angels, as like in the the creature. But um but there's one that the one that you're talking about that was that was different. There was a different type of um title for that. Yeah. And we definitely see, you know, even when he's asking the Lord, um, you know, if there's fifty righteous, will you save it? Is there, you know, and so on and so on, whatever numbers he uses. So those ones are a little tougher, but I do believe that it was some type of godly figure. I would probably say it is a Christophany as well. Um, those ones are not as clear because as you say, even through translations of the Bible, some are capitalized, some some versions see it as God and some don't. So I think whatever camp you land on, it's definitely it's definitely good pastures on each side and good, you know, Christians mm-hmm. on both sides. So I don't know. That one's a little more like fuzzy in a sense. Yeah, we see. So a couple examples. We see uh, the angel of the Lord appear to Hagar in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about um, that. Which is fascinating. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring and they cannot be counted for the multitude. I feel like as a, I will, you know, for an totally. angel to say that would not it would, fit can't. the Bible. Absolutely. Yeah. It has to be Jesus. Um, to Abraham and Sarah, like you were talking about, three men appeared um, to them. Um, and one of them says, the Lord appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of, of Memory. 
as he uh, sat at the entrance of the tent in the heat of the day. So there's those those three show up. They say that um, Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be destroyed, and um, there's that. Then also, um, there's um, on Mount Moriah, right? So the angel of the Lord comes as Abraham is about to kill Isaac and says, um, do not lay a hand on the boy um, and don't do anything to him for I know that you fear God since you have withheld, not withheld your son, your only son from me. Mm. Fascinating, the from me. To Jacob, the angel of the Lord appeared to Jacob multiple times um jacob is definitely one of the more famous ones for sure yeah um and then like in exodus you can see like um it begins with the burning bush and god's promises to joshua to gideon to samson um um it's not christophany it's theophany is it really i think maybe I got to look that up. But those are some examples. <laughs> I'm going to look that up right now. Um, those are some examples of the angel of the Lord. And they're very, for me, they seem super clear. Like only Jesus. It, only it could have been Jesus for the things it claims. You know what I mean? Because they come with an authority. Yeah. And um, and you see other times when angels show up, um, you know, if it's in the, later in the book of Revelation, you know, John bowing to an angel and the angel tells him, you know, not to do that and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You see in other places in the Bible, angels don't let themselves be praised. Um, and you see in these, you know, Christophanies or whatever the word is, that there is a level of respect and praise to these characters and also them saying, I will that, um, you know. It is Christophany. Okay. <sighs> We're so smart. I got, I got scared. <laughs> But it, it fits with the Bible. Like if, if an angel saying, I will do this, yeah. you know, all this stuff, then, you know. Then we know Lord. it can't be someone who doesn't have the ability to do the those authority, things. So yeah. I think that's so cool. I love looking in the Old Testament and just seeing the angel of the Lord. It gives me such a sense of like Jesus is here throughout the whole thing. I love that. Yeah. Some other stuff. What about, what else? I think uh, when, when, um, Jesus is the blessing that will bless all the nations through Abraham, right? Yeah. That one's pretty pretty obvious. What else? What do you think? Parallels, I believe um, there's, I think through all the characters of Genesis, Isaac, um, yeah. I think is very similar. They both fulfill promises. I just have a list here. Isaac um, was a long promised son, son of Abraham. Jesus was a long promised Messiah. Both were the only son of their father. And then God said that Isaac was your son, your only son, whom you live to Abraham. Um, Both had miraculous births. There's a lot of miraculous births throughout the Old Testament, almost Mm -hmm. picturing a virgin birth. You can go to um, Samson as well um, later in the Old Testament. Both were born to parents who were very old, super weird. Isaac was born to, what are these notes? Jesus was, (laughs) oh, Jesus was born to a, a virgin birth, so saying that, you know, miraculous birth. Yeah. Both had the conception of birth and was pre-announced. Both were named before their birth. Both were mocked. Both were undeserving. Both never left Israel, which is kind of like a weird thing. Fascinating. And it is a What about weird... Jesus going to Egypt? Did Jesus go? Didn't his parents flee his... to Egypt? I think it's more there was no, I guess you're right. Maybe it's more there's no missionary. I think one of the weird things is that Isaac instead of finding a wife for himself in his like homeland, wasn't like allowed to leave and a, and the Holy spirit, like the Holy spirit type character went for him. But Mm. that's a good point. I never really thought about that, but 
definitely a big parallels between Isaac yeah, and then Isaac sure. later characters that we can get into. Um, Joseph, right? Joseph, for sure. Do you, do you have any on Joseph? Um, yeah. I mean, like, uh, like the, the, he's like the, um, I don't want to use the word savior, but in that sense of like, like Joseph is the, is the, the son who saves, you know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, there's that, um, some other things like, um, I think Jesus taught Abraham to intercede for lot. Right. We talked about that. He wrestled Jacob and named him Israel. Um, and yeah, like in the life of Joseph, he, he is like God, our savior. Joseph was the savior for the, the tribes of Israel yeah. when he's like in Egypt, um, as second in commands, you know, bringing the, the food and all of that to the people who are struggling. And we see that in the forgiveness of the sins of the 12 or the 11 that, um, you know, sold him into slavery and all those things. I think there's some savior images. We're not saying that Joseph is a savior, but the way that Joseph or God used Joseph to save the children of Israel at that time, um, does typified or our image bear, um, of, of Jesus, which is just think is really cool. And then Jesus comes through the line of Judah, which is super important, right? Like yeah. the line of Judah, even though Judah was a messed up dude. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't know how Judah got that. I don't know how Judah got that either, <laughs> but, uh, I think that's super fascinating. Let's let's wrap up this podcast by talking about like practical tips to see Jesus in the scriptures. Barring like the obvious like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. To look for Jesus. And how do we look for Jesus? How do we see him in the Old Testament? I think seeing and I think us as like Americans miss this a lot of times, just like parallels are such a big thing mm -hmm. in the Jewish culture and kind of the culture that was around when these books were being written and kind of the culture of the parallels. You know, we think a prophecy is like, you know, you say something and then it's done, but kind of in the Jewish, it's more like parallels and things like that. And throughout the old Testament, throughout the Bible, you see parallels of leading, pointing to Jesus, the festivals point to Jesus and mm -hmm. the things he did. These characters, you know, you talk about the Josephs, you know, he, you know, he was sold for silver, just mm -hmm. like, you know, Jesus was and all this stuff. Um, Jacob wrestling with God, all these things, pictures of God and showing almost yeah. a prophecy of that. So I think understanding that and understanding that if you're confused about something in the Bible, putting Jesus in the middle of it, mm. a lot of times could answer, you know, true. what, what's going on in that picture. That's yeah, true. I'd also say that like to find Jesus in the old Testament, to find him where he is, um, hidden in a sense, you have to know Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so an understanding of who Jesus is in the new Testament, where he's clearly portrayed where God is. And that's the thing about the scripture. This is why one of the reasons scripture was given so that we may know who God is and his son, Jesus. You have to know who Jesus is. We know that, um, the angel of the Lord is Jesus because of who Jesus is, you know yeah. what I mean? So we know that Jesus has the power to create. Think about Colossians and stuff like that. That means that when it talks about the angel of the Lord creating or whatever, that can only be Jesus, you yeah. know? So know your savior and that way you'll be able to see him. But then also as you're reading the old Testament, have that in the back of your mind or maybe at the front of your mind, <laughs> wherever it needs to go to be like, 
where is Jesus in this? You know, I know you can find him in each book. You know, I used to struggle with reading Leviticus and numbers and stuff like that until I put Jesus at the center yeah, and realized that all of that was fulfilled by Jesus. Like Jesus took all of that upon himself to fulfill for my sake. I could never fulfill the law on my own. It points out that I'm a sinner. So he took that, lived a perfect life, lived to God's standards, never missed God's mark in all of that Leviticus stuff so that I can have a rela- relationship with him. And that that changes the way you read the scripture. So yeah. know your savior and put him at the center, I think is uh, two basic tips to see him in the for Old sure. Testament. And I think, you know, just under the, I think it really shows you what Jesus did as well as far as, you know, he's sitting at the right hand of the father. Like, you know, he is God in full even before he showed up, you know, and he relinquished that he relinquished, you know, all this stuff to become a man to die for us um, mm-hmm. and to, you know, ha- give us the opportunity to be with him yeah. and to be able to um, be able to be with the father, you know, so this just shows, you know, he was fully God before, you know, he was born Mm -hmm. on this earth. Yeah. Just that he gave up that power to be born on this earth. um, It's just a hard thing to wrap your mind around. It is hard for sure. Well, I hope this podcast inspired some people to see Jesus in the old Testament. Maybe if you've never read the old Testament, maybe creating a little plan and like getting ready to read it. It's it's so fulfilling. I love the old Testament. Yeah. And I challenge you, you know, look for Jesus in the old Testament, mm-hmm. look for parallels between, you know, if it's the tribes or the patriarchs or whatever it may be that there's so many, so many parallels and so many things you could probably write a list down and it's going to yeah. be pages and pages. So I challenge you as you go throughout the old Testament to keep your eyes on, you know, Jesus in the new Testament. For sure. As you read it. Sorry again that this is so late, but I'm, I'm icing my foot still guys. And, you know, I'll be <laughs> back on the basketball court soon. Hopefully. <gasps> Stop or it. retired. No, I've gained like 10 pounds. It's been terrible. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Peace. Peace.